Conversations podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations podcast. And uh, it is that time of the year again, our three-monthly episode of Ask Nati. And today I am with Aurelie Sheehan and Michael Nemerich. And um, as you know uh, from previous episodes, uh, Aurelie is the Certification Policy and Development Manager at Nati, and Michael Nemerich is the National Operations Manager. Hello and welcome for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having us. Uh, thank you very much. And um, we have the form, as uh, you know, online that is uh, live uh, at any given time that you can go in and type your questions uh, to Nati. And um, we have definitely received some pretty good questions over the last three months since we had our last episode. Um, okay, look, uh, I'll get started straight away with a few um, easy ones to get us warmed up. Orly and Michael, and then we might go into uh, ones that uh, could be a little bit more harder for you, okay? I'm going to start with a, a nice and sweet one. I like this one. Currently, are you recruiting Mandarin role players? Michael? Uh, not knowing what the state is, I can't say, but put in an expression of interest on the web uh, and you'll be contacted if there is where um, Mandarin's a high, uh, high demand test. So, and the... Um, candidates and role players that we've got uh, will often find other work. So there's always a need for Mandarin role players. So put in Very good. interest depending on where you are, potentially we're recruiting now. So this particular question came from New South Wales. Um, so put in an expression of interest on the NATI website, is that right? Yep, that's correct. And you'll get contacted as there is need. All right, thank you very much. Now, this one is, again, from an interpreter from New South Wales. Uh, I believe this one goes out to you, Arlie. Mm -hmm. Does volunteer interpreting work count for work practice for recertification? I remember asking you this question last year. <laughs> I think you did. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, volunteer interpreting or translation would be accepted uh, for work practice. So, just like for any other work assignment, provide uh, some details about the assignment, um, the number of words, word or hours if it's interpreting, and that will be counted towards your, your practice. Yeah. All right. Very good. Pretty straightforward. Nice and easy. Um, now, this one, unfortunately, I wasn't really able to get a lot from this question, but we'll, 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 we'll see what we can do best with it. Uh, this is from an Arabic interpreter, a certified interpreter. Um, what are the testing dates for level four interpreting and translating? Now, level four these days, are they, you think they're talking about the specialized interpreter tests? Because they used to be like an advanced test, but I don't think that's changed now. Mm. Right? Yeah, I'm happy to answer that one. So, I, yeah, I think, I mean, I would understand it as a certified specialist interpreter test. We don't refer to that test in terms of level. So just for everyone, uh, the first level of testing we're offering for interpreting is CPI, Certified Provisional Interpreter. Then we have Certified Interpreter, that's the next level up, and then the Specialist Interpreter Test, and we offer Health and Legal. So Arabic 
um, is one language we we have developed this year. Um, so the tests that are available before the end of this uh, calendar year are for our interpreting tasks. So to sit a certified inter specialist test, um, there are actually two parts to this test. The first part is a knowledge test, and it acts as a prerequisite. So once candidates have set the knowledge test and have passed that test, they become eligible to sit the second part, which are the interpreting tasks. So in September and October, we'll be offering uh, tests for interpreting tasks. So only candidates who have already obtained a knowledge test can sit that part. Mm -hmm. We, we don't have test dates available yet, but we will have in the first half of 2022 for the knowledge test again. So I recommend this candidate to look uh, at the NATI website, look for test dates. Um, they can look for the date, dates on the homepage of the website. Um, and yeah, just keep an eye out uh, for now. I guess for this person, it would probably be a knowledge test, I believe. So that would be in the first half of next year. And there's there's certain pathways to be eligible to sit this test as well, right? There, there might be some prerequisites. So the best place to be able to get that information would be the NATI website. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's a variety of pathways. So depending on the profile of the candidates, um, and see if they're eligible already or not. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hopefully in the near future to particularly talk about the specialist mm -hmm. interpreter test. You know, that could be like a another presentation on its own. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hell of a test and, and a lot of effort and time has been put in by many, many experts to develop these tests. And um, I look forward to having a chat with you about them soon. Sure. All right, sounds good. Um, all right, so this one is from... Uh, a Greek interpreter candidate, I believe, from New South Wales. Uh, again, this one's probably for you, Aurelie. Uh Michael, I've got some pretty chunky ones coming for you, so, you know, don't you worry. <laughs> don't get too relaxed. <laughs> don't get too relaxed as well. Um, I've noticed that some places that offer PD don't always offer certificates. Mm. Some places say that the registration email is proof Others send an email, thank you for attending XYZ, and some send certificates of attendance. Why the inconsistencies between places for proof of PD? Thank you. Yeah, so I guess, you know, the, I mean, first I should say that NETI is very flexible uh, with the types of evidences that we accept for certification purposes. So uh, now why are there inconsistencies? This might depend on the PD uh, providers mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I'd say ideally a certificate of attendance is probably best, um, but we would also accept uh, confirmation emails, uh, reservation emails, um, as long as it has enough details to prove that this person has attended the event, uh, that wouldn't be an issue in terms of how we assess the applications. Mm -hmm. Now, why are there inconsistencies? I guess it will depend on the on the uh, PD providers. Um, perhaps, Michael, you want to add something on this? Uh, I think what you've said is pretty accurate. It's... There is there's multiple different providers. They'll each provide um, evidence of attendance in their own way. The staff here are um, informed to, to take whatever they can, I guess, as long as it's not obviously incorrect or fraudulent. Look at it, 
if required, ask a couple more questions. We're certainly not wanting to um, not allow someone to lodge PD like that or work practice uh, for minor inconsistencies or differences. It's certainly not the, the practitioner's fault that the information has been given in that way. Um, well, let me add uh, from, I guess, an, an LSD point of view, you know, we provide PD as well. Um, and for people who attend the live uh, trainings, we, we usually provide a PD uh, certificate. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, for anything that might be on YouTube, for example, where you don't really have a, a way of knowing that they have sat through an entire video um, or, you know, there, there could be other PD that you can find out there anywhere um, that could be free to access. It could be a book. It could be a, yeah. a, a YouTube uh, webinar. Um, and, and you don't really know. Uh, you know, if they've read the whole thing or if they watch the whole thing, so you can't really provide them with a certificate, let's say. Um, so then they might need to prove it with uh, other means like, you know, a statutory declaration or an attendance um, uh, email or something like that or a purchase receipt. Um, so like you say, there are different ways of uh, 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 getting, getting your points. And I think that works for the advantage of the interpreter as well, you know. It opens up your world to a plethora of PD resources, and Nati is uh, very good in assessing these. Um, mm. And you know, it puts the onus on the interpreter a little bit as well. Uh, you know, puts that responsibility on them to say that, well, you've done this, you've completed it. Now, you know, if you don't have proof, and sometimes you don't have proof, uh, you know, you've got to come up with something. And and like we've been saying in in our webinars. Uh, with Oralee, you know, there are certain ways you can do this. Um, and I think it just makes it a little bit more uh, easier for the candidates as well because it gives them more options, or, or the interpreters, I should say, not necessarily candidates. Um, this one comes from an interpreter in New South Wales. Again, this one's for you, Oralee. Due to illness, I have not been able to complete my professional development points but have been working online and need the work practice criteria. Yeah. So uh, um, in some, some circumstances like health, so it could be parental leave or they, they are, each individual may have their own circumstances that have prevented them from meeting the number of points, either for work practice or for uh, professional development, which is the here. Um, so Nati definitely, again, shows some flexibility uh, around the circumstances. So we deal um, with these case spaces and uh, we can certainly consider extension uh, when there are circumstances that have prevented the practitioner meet those criteria. So that's a this person, I encourage um, her or him to uh, send a, an email to Nati at info at nati.com.au uh, explaining the situation and then we can deal with the situation on a, on a you know, more individual basis. But the general message here is that we consider extensions when there have been uh, like circumstances that have prevented the practitioners to meet those criteria. Okay, very good. So info at nati.com.au and yeah. uh, mention your particular situation and yeah. um, you're saying that the mm -hmm. uh, cases will be looked at individually as well. Exactly. All right, magnificent. Michael, you've got a bit 
really nice one for you now. Um, I've always been wondering about this one too. This is about the international uh, recognition of our credentials. Um, so this one comes from an interpreter uh, in the Northern Territory. Oh, well, actually, it says here, I'm based in Queensland. My bad. Please ask Nati when our credentials will be recognised by ATA in the United States, by ITI in the United Kingdom, and by other authorities around the world. It's time for our credentials to be internationalised, especially considering the global nature of our profession. And look, we have very high standards when it comes to Nati credentialing. And it might be one of the highest standards uh, internationally. Um, why aren't we recognised around the world? The, the short answer is the work just hasn't been done yet. Um, so the certification system has been in, um, in since 2018, January 2018. Our focus has been on expanding the range and scope of skills and languages available to practitioners within Australia because uh, NADI is primarily a, an Australian, um, Australian certification for Australian domestic market. We've, um, some people that might have already heard, we've gone uh, to New Zealand. They'll be adopting NADI certification um, officially from 2024, but the work on that has already commenced on um, people registering and working out um, how uh, how and what needs to happen to, to allow that to happen. We've had conversations with a couple of other national governments, uh, which I can't say which ones yet, but there's about three or four others around the world mm -hmm. uh, currently. So I think the, the board has definitely discussed it in strategic planning about um, the, the move to get it recognised and to allow interpreters and translators with NADI certification to be able to more easily work globally. Um, there would be some expectation of reciprocal arrangements with those organisations. And so the key for us would be if we're going to offer reciprocal um, recognition of credentials from those organisations, does it meet the Australian standard in our context? Mm. And if it does, then we would be able to do that. So it's a very long-winded uh, answer to a shortish question, which is we definitely want to see it to be recognised more internationally, but there's factors that uh, about whether reciprocal rights can be offered and how it works in that context. But definitely something that we're wanting to do more of. New Zealand's the first part. Uh, very good. So to that interpreter in Queensland, this is definitely something that Nati is working on and, um, you know, we might actually see it happen in the future. And I look forward to that day. Thank you very much, Michael. Here's another one from an interpreter in New South Wales. I have not completed my PD. Will there be any extension? I think it goes pretty much to the previous uh, question as well. That's right. You know, send an email to info at nati.com.au um, giving your, I guess, uh, reasons why, and then it'll be approached and looked at at an individual level, right? That's right. Okay. Thank you very much. We'll move on to the next one. Old Graduates Conversations Podcast.